Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Shem, we'll be learning Davav in Maseches Moed Katan. was cleared for takeoff on United Flight 90 tonight. So, God willing, it's going to be about, so, until the end of next week, I won't be back. I'm, I'm returning in time to say goodbye to Andrew. So, um, all right, so, but let's, let, uh, yeah, so let's, now, actually, that flight hasn't been reinstated yet. It's getting reinstated soon. So I'm going from Newark, taking a train. So, what my stay bochen? Did you ever hear of the whaling fields? The whaling fields, stay bochen. So, we talked about it yesterday. What are the crying fields? So, that, that was part of the culture of the, um, instead of Saul Levinson, when you have like the ante room where people are crying, they used to have a culture at the edge of town where the, near the cemetery was, where the people would go and they would do their crying, Lo Aleinu, as the Gemara answers. I'm, I'm telling you, it's perfect. He's quoted him. Is that what it is? It's not exactly, because it's crying. It's, 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 it's uh, cry, talk. so like this. I'm telling you, it's shot out of a cannon today. <laughs> That's the field where they take their leave. Rashi, the great... Commentator, right over here, the second wide line. I'm reading out of Rashi. That's it. When they're going out to the cemetery, right? So, where's the cemetery located? It's not like in the center of town, typically, it's at the edge of town. So, Niftarin. It's basically the cemetery, right? That's where they go out. And that area, right near the the city, they go, and that's where the people, the locals, come, and some, and that's where everybody is sitting, and you know the atmosphere of crying. So it's called the crying, the wailing fields. How come we're bringing this up? So, uh, oh, so the Gemara asks, why? How come we're bringing this up? But time am I? Why? Why are we bringing it up? Because it's called the Beit Sakarpas. We were talking about Tuma, mm-hmm. and so we say that is one of the three places. If you put together. You piece together a whole bunch of Mishnayas um, from Olos. You come out with the idea that this is one of the categories in that field of whaling. It's called a base Hakarpas, base Hapras, rather. <laughs> Sorry, base Hapras. Why? Right, because as Rashi explains here again, Yesh Bailim, the fourth wide line, the Fishivim I guess, you know, let's say if you had some fallen mangled uh, corpses, so then an arm or a leg could fall off, and and right? Sometimes you see the Hever Kedisha, not the Hever Kedisha, but, you know, people are dealing with bodies all the time, so a limb falls off here and there. It's not something that, the, that they pay attention to, as Rashi explains, and therefore, if you have limbs there, then you're going to, we're 11 lines up from the bottom of Ham Bays. Now, if you have limbs there... You're going to have Tumah. Okay. So again, we're talking about Tziyunim. Tziyunim means markers. By the way, when you get a, when you get a Tziyun on your grade in Hebrew, it's called a mark, right? So the question is like this. We had just said the, um, the conclusion of Rav Papa is that a field that was plowed over um, does not need a Tziyun because it was plowed, right? The difference was going to be if the field is plowed over, then it sounds like it was smoothed over, and therefore you don't, you're not concerned that there's going to be any tumor there. If there was a lost grave, we said, so there's some intact 
corpse there, and therefore you do have to be concerned for tumma. But now we question that. Is it true that if you plowed over a grave, you don't need a tziyuna marker? Let's say a person found a field that is marked, but he doesn't know whether it has a grave, whether there's any graves there or not. Absolutely. So if that happened, so here's a fascinating thing. We don't assume that people are going to plow over, you know, an area where there's people buried. Certainly, that's not something that people are going to try to do. However, if you have Ilanos, right, you have the vegetation that it can only exist in the presence of actual farming and plowing. So then that is a sure sign that it was in fact plowed. So that's what it means. If you see trees, so to speak, um, evidence that there was some plowing here, so then you know that in that plowing was included the kever and the kever was plowed over. But if you don't see any trees, so then why are there no trees? Because somebody was concerned that there would be Right, uh, that there was a kever there at some point, and it got lost, and that's why they didn't plow. So you know, Amir, field, where was it? at the outskirts of town. So this is a very, this is a fascinating idea here. The question here now is, is it? Do, we're challenging. Uh, in our case here, this brisa, it certainly was marked. So if it's marked, so so that's what. So so marked for tuma. So like we said, you can't put a marker directly on the tumma because then by the time you find the tumma, you're already there and you get tummy. You can't put it too far away because then you're using up real estate of Eretz Yisrael for unnecessarily, you're right? So you have to put it like a, a reasonable distance. But here we have a case where clearly it's Mitsu Yenes, that's the case in the Brisa, and yet we know that it was plowed. So this seems to contradict for Papa's idea that when a field is plowed over, you don't need to mark it off for Tumba. To which, that you, uh, that until there's a Zakin Otamid, right, until you have a Tamar Chacham in town to knows what to do, right, then you're not going to know, right, what is the deal with the Tumba. You're going to have to depend on whether it has Ilanos or not. Why? Because Lefisha Ein Hakol Bekin Bedavar. In other words, right, the, the point of the Bryce is to show you that there's a case where it's Necharash and there's still a Tziyun. In the context, right, along the way, Rabbi Yehuda is making an amazing statement that you need to have a Chetam Chacham in your community to let you know what the deal is with the field. So first of all, how does Rav Papa resolve this contradiction? We're going to talk about this. Amar Rav Papa, Ma'itanya Hahi. In what regard did we learn this Brisa? In other words, like this. In other words, the question is, again, how could there be a situation where Papa says that whenever you see that it's plowed over, you don't need to put a tziyun? And here, clearly, in the Brisa, there was a situation where there had been a tziyun and a plowed field. So the Papa is saying, no. What happened was, this was before the field was plowed. There was a lost grave, and therefore they put a marker in order to right, warn people not to become tummy there. And then... Right? Afterwards, So what happened was that subsequently it was plowed. And that as evidenced by the fact that there's trees. If there's trees, you know that it was plowed. And if there's no trees, you know that it wasn't plowed. However, in both cases, the marker 
was prior to the plowing. And that is therefore saying that the Bryce that says that there's a plowed field and a marker doesn't contradict the idea that when you have a plowed field, you don't put on a marker. Yeah, and Echinami, the, the marker was before the plowing. So says the Gemar, but maybe, so now we're saying, wait a minute, what if, what if you look at the field, right, and you see that the trees are on the inside and the grave is on the outside? In other words, it, it's possible that when you have the area of the grave isn't plowed. In other words, just because you see trees doesn't mean that, it, that the area where the grave was, was plowed. Maybe the trees were what? Uh, in the area where there's trees, they knew that there was no kever. But maybe the perimeter around this forested area had a kever in it, and therefore you should be concerned that there's tumma there, says the Gemara, kid amar ula. Right? In other words, this is saying, this is a fallacy in the trees. You can't just go into a forested area and assume that there's, that you don't need to put a marker and that there's no tumma there, because maybe the grave was put outside the tumma. How are the trees an indication? So like, uma, ula, Ula said, this is uh, brought up in Nadarim, the Omdim al Hagvulim. So we're talking about the case where this, the trees are all the way up against the park, the, the parking lot, so to speak, or all the way up against the road, right? In other words, if the trees are all the way up against the road, you would never uh, bury the mace in the highway, right? And here you have trees going all the way up against the highway. So that's how you know you can enter this area because obviously there is no mace because the trees are all the way up against the edge of the, of the, uh, of the land where you would bury, and therefore, clearly, nothing was buried there. So, so Hachanami Baumdi Malagvun. They buried that they could have. Actually, let's say they buried the uh, Would they put up a marker? Uh huh. They would put up a marker. We talked yesterday about the shear. How much do you need of uh, a kazayas? Uh, how much corpse do you need? The the uh, uh, Golgolas Veshedra. How much of a corpse is necessary to 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 uh, Put it this way: However much is necessary to impart tuma and to impart tuma soel, that's how much you're going to need um, in order to to put up a marker. So, anyways, says As we arrive at the manageable time of five forty-seven a.m., and we say the following: Well, maybe the tuma is on the inside. In other words, you have the trees on the outside. So you say, "Oh, here's a forest." I can for sure walk here without tuma whatsoever. But there's like a bald area, a bald spot with no trees in the middle. And maybe that's the area where the mace was. Maybe they buried them on the inside of the forest. And therefore, you, just because it's a forest doesn't mean you can go in with impunity and assume that there's no tuma. It says the Gemara, Bimim meaning where all the trees are intertwined, meaning it's all over. It's, the trees are everywhere, all going, extending all the way. It's a forest. The Karen Kayemet Le Israel. It's a forest extending. I'm, I'm in Israel mode already. Karen Kayemet Le Israel. It's a forest wow. extending all the way from the highway all the way densely into, it, all the way through, without any bald spots, so therefore that's how you know that they're, they never buried a mace there, or if they did, they did already plow it. Oh. You're excited about the trip. Yeah, so that's one answer. The other answer is, Vibais Ema, Ha'amarin ein marchikin tzir mimkom tuma, shalol hafsid eretz Yisrael. There we go. As we said before, right, that the trees are only right at the edge, but we said that we don't distance, right, the marker from the tuma in order to not waste any land in Eretz Israel, right? That, so that's making more excited about the trip. And again, since you see the marker near the trees, that you know that those graves must have been plowed over. In other words, the guy sees a marker, right? So is, so if he sees the marker and he sees it like to very, very far away and he's 
put it this way. If you see a marker, right, and then you see trees right up against it, so that you know that that area was plied over because the marker could have never been placed too far away from when the source of the tumma was. This is referring, this is answering the second possibility. In other words, again, there is a sign outside a forest and the sign says there's some, mace, there's some mason here, right? And the question is, well, there, we probably don't have to worry about the tumma that's in here because obviously the forest is an indication that this was already plowed. So the Gemara says, well, maybe you have to be concerned that deep in the forest is a bald area where it wasn't plowed, right? And that that's where the Tumah is. And the answer to that is one of two answers. Number one, that's not the Metzius. We're talking about an area that's forested all the way through densely. And the second possible answer is that we're talking about a situation, again, the, the sign is outside the forest, right outside the forest. That internal area is so far from the sign that the sign would have never been there if the mace was deep in, because we have a principle that we don't put the signs too far away from the Tumah because every square inch in Eretz Yisrael is precious. And we would never want to use up that space and say, don't walk there because of possibility of Tumah. It's more important to keep that land accessible to people. Uh, okay. question because yeah. we're all one to Israel. Yeah. The West Bank... Oh my God! Well, the West Bank, yeah. If okay. West Bank was always part of Israel. As far as I know, so it goes like this: four lines down on Vavam and uh, and Vavam So he's going to ask about politics. And he's going to um, and Vav, Four lines down. Here we go. Rabbi Yudah Oh, watch this one. This is your Goranowitz Muslim moment. Said the Brisa, Rabbi Huda had said in the Brisa, Achi has Shamzakin Otami. You really don't know exactly what the Tumma status is, of, of it is until, unless there's like a, an, a, you know, one of the elders or a Tamil Chacham, a young, a young Tamil Chacham. Because not everybody knows what's going on with the Tumma. Shmamina, Amar Baye, Shmamina, Tzurban Mirabana, De'ikab and Masa, Kol Mile de Masa Le Ramya. In other words, you might ask, wait a minute, why would a Tamar Chacham, sitting in the base Medrash, know more about whether this was once a Tumah field than anybody else, right? So the answer is, Abayah says, you learn from that, that it's Urban Midrabanan, which is like a, a Yingalite, right? A young Torah scholar that is in a city, has to know everything. Has to know everything, right? This is something emotional. This is the Rabbi Rose Muslim moment. Uh, Rabbi Rose at the dinner. How beautiful was that? He made a, seema, he made a personal Seema Shas, and he said, the whole time I was learning, he made a personal Siyam Shas, it was a beautiful Siyam, and he said, the whole time I thought I was learning for myself because I wanted to finish Shas. Right. And then I was, became the rabbi, I realized I was learning it for you, meaning for the congregation, because, because you have a Tamar Chacham has to be aware of all of the things that are pertaining to the Psaq and to the matters of the congregation. And therefore, the question is, why would a Talmud Chacham know more about whether this was a Tommy field than anybody else? Because the Talmud Chacham has to make it his business to know everything. Okay, and so, because he has to deal with the people, and therefore he, make, he makes sure to know that. Beautiful. We're all Talmud Chacham, me, Andrew, and Barry, because yeah. I learned it three times. Maybe Barry learned it two times. Yeah. So you guys, you guys are a top-notch Besdin, I'll tell you that much. Really? I don't know, I think so. I'm Rabbi Yehuda. Matzah Evan Mitsuyenis. Here we go. Let's keep talking about markings for Tumah a little bit, and then we'll move on to a different topic. You found a stone. That's what Mitsuyenis means. It means it's marked with lime. 
that means that's a sure indication because that's the that was the practice to to right mark it with lime stein what if you found two stones and they're close to each other so what's going on is this like a fancy double stoned kever or is this two separate stones what's the nafkamina if it's two separate kvarim you could walk between them oh so how do you know the difference so says the gemar if you find stein two such stones if you see that there's like a, like a line of lime between the two stones, so then you know that the area between them is going to be tummy. It's more like a fancy two-stone tzion. But if there's no line between them, that's how you know that you can walk through. And this sounds like... this. Yeah. Ah, it's actually a, a, a question. It's a machlokas in the Rishonim about whether the mace of Goyim, because we already mentioned the one of the sources was the Milchemes Gog Magog that we mentioned yesterday. And they had a question about, well, those are all the, right, Those that, that's from the Umas Olam. So uh, are we really concerned about those bones? Not, I'm not an expert in that, but don't worry. We're going to, God willing, get into Tumatara. Uh, Does have to worry about that if he's on a plane? I think... Kohanim, yeah. Kohanim and Tumah is a whole haka. It's not inappropriate to ask about that here, but the fact of the matter is that there's so much with Kohanim and hospitals and airplanes. Sure, there's a lot. That's, that was the whole question. Um, we have, uh, right, when you have a mobile ohel, the Kohen is on an airplane flying over a cemetery. Do you have to worry about the flight path of the plane? Very interesting questions with regards to Tumah and Tara. May we all be zochet to see the base make the rebuilt. We have to know all these luckless Tumah and Tara like the back of our hands. Okay, the Alpha Gav Deleka Choresh. No Kohen that really does worry. I mean, I've never seen Kohen say, oh, I'm afraid of this and that in the hospital. Right? Yeah, no, I know Kohanim who are are concerned about that. They are? Yeah. Hospital? How do they go to the hospital when they have a morgue? So, so in Eretz Israel, where we're going, uh, so the the hospitals have it all worked out. It's they're very conscious of that. But be that as may, let's keep let's keep going. Even though there's no indication of chorish, so that's the chiddush here, right? In other words, there's no lime, but there's no indication of plowing either. So, in other words, how does just the absence of lime, right, suggest that there was no tumah there? You thought that, we thought that there needed to be plowing there. Says the Gemara, Vatanya. We learned the Brisa, Matzah Evan Achas Mitsuyenes, Tachtea Tame. Shtaim, Imesh Chorish, Beinem, Beinem, Tarn, Vila, Beinem, Tame. There's a explicit Brisa that says that if you found a stone that was marked, so then underneath it immediately is for sure Tame. And if you found two, what is the indication? So we just said the indication is if there's line between them, so then you know that it's Tame. Here we're saying, uh, but if there's not, then even if it's not plowed, it sounds like it isn't tummy. But here, in this price, it says, what's the indication? Not the lime, but the what? The plowing. That the only way you know that it's not tummy is if there's plowing between them. As it says, if there's chorish b'neim, then b'neim tar, then that area is going to be tar. Vim la b'neim tummy. So which is it? The absence of lime or the presence of plowing that indicates that it's not tummy? So where Papa is going to resolve it. Amar Papa hacha kshehasid shafuch al-rashein umrudah Let's say you have the lime poured on top of the stones, and like when you when you put frosting on a cake, right? It like spreads thinly between them, so it seems like it's it's dripping down from the top of the stone all the way down between them. So tar, right? If you see that it's plowed between them, so you see that between them it's tar the because then you could say, oh, the lime was peeled from the stone and it fell between them because that's why it stuck to the ground. In other words, you are seeing lime between the stones. Ah, oh, you're seeing lying between the stones, 
But if it's plowed, then the reason why you're seeing line between the stones is because it all got mixed together in the plowing, and therefore it's still tahar. However, v'i lo, seed it, devene vene, hu What are you saying about plowing? If someone plowed that field? Right, they would only plow that field if they knew oh. that there was no tumor there. Or, and, and I'd say it a different way. Even if there was, once they plowed it, so then they kind of got rid of it. So That's therefore, so it's going to be, so if you see, again, so the way where Papa puts the two, as he always seems to do, reconcile things, the way he puts these two braces together, he's saying, no, we're talking about a case where there's some lime in between, but it's also plowed. So once it's plowed, it's not really lime in between. It means that it's plowed, and therefore there is no tumma in between them. Below, see the veidi veidi uvatame. In other words, if you, but if you see that it's not plowed, then indeed the lime that's in between is an indication that there is a mace underneath, and it is tame. Okay, more on this topic. Amaravasi, meitzar echad metzuyan. If the boundary right of a field is marked for tumma, who tame v'cholasad kula tahara. So again, there's different ways to mark a field. So if you mark a little strip at the edge of town, at the edge of a field, so then you're, show, you're saying this little strip has what? Tumma on it. You got to be careful. Don't go near there. But you can walk around the field because you realize that the strip is an indication that it's the outskirts of the field that has the tumma. I'll give it away. This could be true even if there's two strips or even three strips, like a sukkah made out of three strips. It's still an indication. Those three strips is like a C-shaped outskirts of a field that's tummy. But if you can have all four... Uh, all four uh, boundaries of the field marked off, then that's a different kind of marking. That's showing that the field is tummy and the marker itself is not, as we will see. What are we worried about? We're worried about becoming tummy. We can't walk, uh, we're walking where Tumas Ohel, you can't walk on top of a kever. So says, uh, uh, so says the... So a fast question, are you allowed to use it as a plowing to grow things? It's a, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very good question whether you'd be allowed to, to continue. We already talked about this, actually. Whether you'd be allowed to do this, l'chadchila, people are not supposed to obviously plow in the area where the, where the tumma is. L'chadchila, nobody would do that intentionally. But once they did that, so then they probably dug up whatever is there and we're saying we're not concerned that, the, that those fragments are big enough to create a tumma for us. So again, if you have one... Meitzar, right, one boundary, so then that bound, that area is going to be Tameh and the rest of the field is okay. Uh, Shnaim, if you have two... question to bother you. How long does it take, let's say there is a bone, possibly, how long does it take for it to be... That's a very good question. Like, do we wait, right, because we said we need to have a kazais, let's say, of mace. So we know that there's some, some decomposition that goes on. But it sounds like once you mark it off, you treat it like a suffix tuma, um uh, forever. That's what it sounds like. That's a very good question. Like, why would you do that? Well, you don't know how long it's been there, I guess. Okay, so Shnaim, very good question. Heim Tameim Sadeh Kula Tahora. If you have two boundaries, so they themselves, again, are Tameh and the rest of the Sadeh is not, is Tahor. Shlosha Heim Tameim Sadeh Kula Tahora. If you have three boundary strips, then they are Tameh and the rest is Tahor. Arba, however, as we said, if you have a circumferential area of of marking around an entire field, so that's a different indication. That means the field is tame, and then the boundaries themselves are not tame because they're just an indication for the field. As the Brisa continues to say, right? This is the the um, comment of Rabbi Asi that those markers, are, that area is going to be tar. It's really just an indication of a of the tuma of the entire field within the Amar Mar. 
ein marchikin tzion mimkom tuma shall hafsid eres Israel. Because this is an indication of the thing. The reason why we we have the markers right around the boundaries of the sada is because we don't want to lahafsid eres Israel, right? And therefore, nobody again. Why would anybody circumferentially surround a sada if it weren't for the fact that the entire sada was tamei? Because watch this. By surrounding the sada completely with no opening, you've actually created an impassable area. You created a situation where nobody could walk in without becoming tame. That would be an ultimate violation of taking up land in Eretz Yisrael. Why would you do so if not for the fact that the entire field was tame? See what I'm saying? So, but you blocked off the entire field by, by walling it off on all four sides. You would never do that unless the entire field was tame. You know, I hate to say it, but Europe, the great rabbis, they actually moved to some of the great rabbis because they had to build a stadium, like you're talking about. Right. See, Granot said he wasn't going to ask another question, but he didn't say he wasn't going to make another comment. <laughs> Some of the rabbis, one of the most, uh, we've mentioned it before, one of the most emotional things, uh, pictures you'll see with regards to moving a kever was when they moved, uh, I believe it was the Baron Rothschild. Right, go on. Uh, wait, who, the, the, the Nadiv, Hanadiv, Ramat Hanadiv. When they moved him from, uh, when they moved his kever to Eretz Israel, and then they buried him with the dirt of all of the cities that he built. So wow. there was a line of people in his Leviah each one had a sack, and on the sack was the name of the city that he wow. was the benefactor, and it was the dirt from each of the sacks of those cities that they poured on him when they buried him in Eretz Yisrael. I'm reading about him. That picture is in... It's um, uh, Yeah, um, Rebels in Their Own Land, a, a very good book about Ms. Karat Batya. No, he was not. He was just... He was a gvir, and a lot of great rabbis were, no, were had... Uh, Tugged on his heartstrings, and he was a big, uh, big part of the pioneering of of, of Israel. Okay, I believe so. Right near there, or Matanadiv, which is right next to it. Okay. I went there. It's beautiful. Uh huh. It's like a wine tasting thing. Who? Okay. Let's let's keep going. Do you want to hear about Kalim? Speaking of uh, vines. So the Mishnah had stated that it was customary in Cholamoid to send out agents to check. To the check the badats to pull out the kalim and the weeds and and so the gemara says why do they go inspect dafkan cholamoid pesach for kalim why were they not so the answer is uriminu we have what the first mishnah in shkalim what does the first mishnah in shkalim say let's do chazara we already learned this remember that that when do you you don't have to remember all the way back to shkalim we already discussed it at the end of, Megi- of Megillah. When we talked about when we, Parsha, the Parshios, Parsha Zachar and Shkalim. So when we talked about the Dalit Parshios, we said that you start announcing on Rosh Chodesh Adar that you have to start collecting the Shkalim and you have to rip out the Kalim. What's the issue? The issue is we're already talking about Kalim at the beginning of Adar, not on Cholamoy Pesach, which is, right, six weeks later, says, or, or more. So the Gemara says, I know what it is, but it's I can't too, it's two different types of planting that are not supposed to be intermingled. That it says it's straight up in the Torah that you're not supposed to mix those those things. So when they would see such vegetation, the badats would go and they would rip it out. So we'll see. So first of all, first on the first of all, there they would be mashmim al shkalim al Then 
Then on the 15th, they would read Megillah, as we know, right? On the 15th of Adar, uh, right? Krachim are the walled cities. Biotzin Lekavet, it's really supposed to be, okay. But in the meantime, th- that's obviously what it means. That's Shushan Purim. Biotzin Lekavet, Sasadrachim, Osakin, Sarachobos. And that's when they go, right, to, uh, to fix the roads. Now, it's interesting, because our Mishnah also says the Cholomoed is when you go to fix the roads. But the thing is, the Mepharshim explained that, yeah, fi- road, road work is always a thing. <laughs> you can fix the roads on the first of other, and you can fix the roads on the, on, on, on Cholomoed. And the truth is, can you do that for Kalaim also? Maybe, but that apparently they did, uh, more closely, because we're, we're ask, asking like agricultural timing question. As we'll see from the answer, that the, that the same answer could apply to Kalayim also. That there are different times where different kinds of seeds are going to plant, and therefore you have to send out the Kalayim police on multiple occasions. But be that as it may, for now we're still asking the question, why does the Mishnah in Shkalim, hold on a second, um, why does the Mishnah in Shkalim say the first of Adar, when we're saying here that in our Mishnah, that they go out later, like six plus weeks later, on Cholomoed Pesach. So we say, uh, and, and similarly, Vilamod HaMikvahos, again, this is, sounds a lot like our Mishnah, right? That you, that's when you measure the Mikvahos to make sure there's 40 saw. V'osin kol tzorche rabim, like a straight quote of our Mishnah, umitzainin es akvaros v'yotzin alakilaim. So all of these things that we said, right? We just talked about mitzainin es akvaros. All of these things that we just said in our very Mishnah in Masechus Ma'at Katan, sound, looks like a copy-paste from the first Mishnah in Shkalim. The only difference is, that our Mishnah is talking about doing this on Cholomite Pesach. The Mishnah in Shkalim is talking about doing it on Rosh Chodesh Adar. So, so exactly. So says the Gemara. Two answers. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina. Chad Amar Kan BeBachir Kan BeAfil. That our that one Mishnah is talking about early crop and one Mishnah is talking about late crop. So really, we asked the question in Kilim. We could have asked the question on any of these things. But the answer is going to apply essentially the same to both, which is it's a regular thing more than just once a year is the point. So, so when it comes to Kalayim specifically, there's two different kinds of crops. That's one answer. And Chadam are Kan Bizrayim and Kan Biyarakos. So both really basically, either it's the same crop, but an early and a late crop of the same crop, or it's two different kinds of crops. One is Rayim, right, grains, and the other Yarakos, veggies. Ah. You know, it's funny, I learned you and the, the rabbi said to us, uh, we're not going to do Kaliah because it's one of the hardest things. <laughs> and here we are. It's so complicated. Did they actually mix up uh, seeds in the old days? Uh, apparently, because it's one of the halachas. Uh, so let's see. If I have, if I have you know, like these community gardens. Yeah. Oh, you mean, is this is a common Kaliah, problem? If you have that no, 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 no. So there's parameters to Kalayim. I mean, it, uh, there's parameters to Kalayim in terms of how far they could, apart they could be. We're, we're not going to have to wait to learn Kalayim to learn that because there's gonna, that, that's going to come up in, uh, when we learn Nazikin. So you just, all you have to do is stick it out for, uh, we're almost finished with Moed. After this, we have Chagiga. Then we hit it hard with Yavamos. And we're going to do Nashim. And by the time we get to Nazikin, we'll, we'll have more examples of Kalim. Okay, so Amar Ravasi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Loshanu Elish Ein Nitzan Nikar. But the idea here is that you're inspecting what? On Cholomoyed of Pesach, 15th of Adar, um, right? First of Adar, you started to talk about it. But that's only when the sprouts are not recognizable. Aval Nitzan Nikar Yotzin Alem, Hanitzanim. The Nitzan is the first, right, blossoming of the, yesterday was Tubishvat, so it's a Daf Yomi coincidence, that the first, uh, 
the first seedlings that you start seeing in the ground, of course you're supposed to be yotzin alayim. In other words, like this, it's not just a calendrical thing where you're, where it's like only on these dates you're going out. There's also a practical aspect, which if you see that for whatever reason this year, right, it's a Shanamu Barrett or whatever the reason is, you're seeing that earlier on, you're seeing some sprouting, you better go out into the fields and make sure that there's no Kalayim. If you're the Kalayim police, you're not just doing it on those dates, you're also doing it when you see that things are blossoming. It's also an agricultural timetable, not just a calendrical timetable. Fine. Now the Gemara asks, Because if you plant it together, then that's Kalayim. Now, why do we say that we, that we go out on Cholomoyim? Like, maybe you should go before or after Yontiv. Why are you going on Yontiv itself? Yeah, you have the yeshiva guys in Beda's Manim, they're willing to work for cheap. And that's the reason why we do it in Cholomoyim. Wow. I'm Rabbi Zvid, Vitem Rabbi Sharshia, Shmami Nakiavin and Luzacha. Yeah, they're going out and they're checking to see the yeshiva kids. These are pretty wise kids. They were agriculturally alert right. to what's going on. They see what they, they know what they're looking at. So now, based off of this, however, Rizvid and Rabbi Sharshi are saying something fascinating. Look at this. Why did we say the reason is we did it in Cholomoed is because you could get cheaper yeshiva guys to do it. Well, that means that you're paying. You're paying the guys on Cholomoed. Ooh. So he's saying, Shmamina, and, and so that's one issue. Okay, that's what, so, and there's another issue though. Mitruma, how, where are you paying them from? Who's paying these, the, the Truman police? Are you, are you, is this a, like a private benefactor? Is Baron Rothschild paying them? So no, from the fact that we care, that this is a fascinating idea from Rabbi Sharshia or Zrid, that from the fact that we care about how much it costs, sounds like we're paying it from what? The base of Mikdash proceeds. Mitruma's halishka yavin and lahu. From the treasury of the base of Mikdash. Why? Because Baron Rothschild paying for it, who cares how much it costs? <laughs> we'll just do it based on, based on when we, when it's, uh, you know, most ideal for us, regardless of the cost. Because if it was the Baron Rothschild paying for it, there'd be no reason to wait for Yeshiva guys to give it for cheap labor. We'll just do it when it's the best, and then we give him the, the receipt. And then he just pays for all of it. However, we see from the fact that we care about how much money we're spending, that it must be coming from the Beis treasury. Wow. Okay. Now, what is the requirement to upward Kalayim? Bad comma. What's the amount in a field that's considered Kalayim? This is already a question that you asked. So in order, you know, in other words, what's the shear? We have to uproot it. So Amar of Shmuel by Yitzchak Ka'osa Shashaninu. Well, for that, you have to go to the Mishnayis in Kalayim. First Mishnah in the second parak, which says, call saw sheeshba. If you have a saw, right, which has a rova, as we turn to Vavam Bez, rova zera miminacher, right? She explains the rova is that a kav echad mi chafdal besaw. Ah. So you have the, the, it's, it's a one to 24 ratio, right? When you have, uh, the rova, uh, uh, rova hakav is how you read that. The quarter of a kav, that's what rova means, right? So that means that one twenty-fourth of different species mixed within it is where you have the shear of kalim, yema'it. And therefore you have to reduce the amount to less than a quarter kav. In other words, this is how you do it, Goranowitz. You see that there's a mixture of, let's say, one, per, one to ten. That's too much. 
right? If it's less than one to 24, so then that's already not kalayim, that's just like a trace amounts, and that's okay. Just like you see batal b'shishim in Hilchas, right, batal b'shishim in other areas, okay. So, what? You know, I love fish, and my friend said, oh, you can't buy fish, you can't buy fish, because it may touch something. Oh, Isn't I that know. bottle, you know, touches something that's not You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you Tzvi Holland's phone number, Blina there, and he's the Kashrus guy. When I have Kashrus questions, if I'm abroad or anywhere or here, right. I, I call him. He's very responsive. He would know the answer to that. I'll ask him if you can have fish. I had fish in his house, so I think he allows fish. Okay, Vatanya. I've eaten fish in his house, so I think he's, he says it's okay. What's the issue here? So we said that you have to just reduce it to 124th. In other words, less than 124th. In other words, we said that there's a patent. That there's a way to get rid of kalim is to reduce the ratio to a trace amount and then it's no longer kalim. But we have a Bryce that says that what? That you have to say that the entire field should be con- uh, claimed hefker and that's how you deal with kalim. So how do you deal with kalim, Andrew? Do you fix it? Or do you say that the whole... The whole uh, field is chazer treif and muktzah, so to speak, to use mixed metaphors. So the Gemara says, Lokasha. That, that is two different times in history. Kan kodim takana, kan laachar takana. There was a takana at one point. Before the takana, then ain't a chinami. They reduce the amount of one. So we're going to explain the takana. We reduce the amount of one kalaim, and that would be by reducing the ratio, you fixed it. But after the takana, the takana was, we're going to claim this whole field, hefker. How so? As follows, the Tanya, it says in the Brisa, Barishona, you okrin, mashlichin, lifnei behemton. What they used to do, let's say they send the yeshiva guys out in the, to the fields in Cholomoid, they would see Kalaim, they would uproot it, they would weed the area, and they would, they would give it to the animals, and, right, these guys are not from guys, they're business guys, and they're laughing. They're laughing at the Shiva guys. And they're laughing a double laughter. What's this double laughter? As follows. Look at this. I'm getting cheap labor. I'm, it's niskar to the highest order. The guy is planting kalayim, and his reward is he gets the Shiva guys for free that are being paid by the base of Mikdash to weed his field and to feed his animals. And he doesn't even have to pay workers to feed his animals or to weed his field. They're happening... By, it's happening by itself just for the Avera of planting Kalayim. So Chazal did not like that. So they said, you know what? Don't feed the animals. Throw it into the street. So that at least you don't feed, get that benefit. You know what? Like, it was still a great thing for them because, okay, so they're not feeding their animals, but they're weeding their fields. That's a big, annoying job. Says, so what did Chazal do? So Chazal said, right, it's not a great job. So That's what Chazal said, you know what, forget these guys. We're going to be mafkir the whole Sada, it's not going to be worth anything. And therefore, by doing so, they, um, they reduce, they, once they did that, that was a disincentive to plant Kilaim, obviously. Because once the Kilaim police came after you, then your whole field was worthless. Good. Mishnah on Vavim Beis. Rebbe Yaakov Oimer. As we said, you're allowed to right, direct the water from one tree to another in Cholomite as long as you don't end up using that opportunity to water the entire field. And plants that weren't watered regularly before Cholomite, you can't water them on Cholomite. Both in right, irrigating an entire field and also in 
what? Watering plants that had not been planted in Cholomite. So what's going on? I'm a Rabbi Yehuda. What's a Sodom Etunenes? So Rashi over here is modifying, right? That it says that it basically depends on need. In other words, that it's a stay besabal. So we had in the first Mishnah in Ma'at Katan, we said, listen, there's two categories. Either a stay besabal, which doesn't need any irrigation because it gets water from rain, or, right, shlachin, besa shlachin, which was the first, uh, th- which is the name of our parak, right, which is uh, some really dependent on irrigation. But, right, over here we're saying no. Sodom etunenes could be lachaveyavesha, that it's already somewhat moist, right, and therefore it's mutter, even though, says Rashi, afagav the hava stay besa bal. In other words, like this, a base of that you're always depending on rain. So then that, that field, you are not allowed to water on Cholomoid because you're going out of your way. But base of that kind of dependent on rain, but also you really made sure to keep it nice and moist. You were growing coffee in there or whatever. So then that you're all allowed. It's not... Like so black and white that it's either base abal or base shlochin. There is such a thing as a base abal that also gets extra irrigation, and that you continue to do throughout cholamoid. So that's an important detail. Now the Gemara is going to support that. Tanya Namayachi is the price to support that. We said it's usher to irrigate it on cholamoid. We were only talking about what zraim that you never used to water it. It's like they ask an analogy. Like they say, can you take uh, medicine on Shabbos? So like the, any doctor or rabbi will tell you, if you're in the middle of a course of antibiotic treatment, then you continue it through Shabbos because you're in the middle of a course of something, right? So I'm just using that analogy to uh, conceptualize. If you always are irrigating in a certain way, so then you're not going off course by irrigating on a cholamoid. It's only when you're take, you know, taking advantage of cholamoid to irrigate it that it's also we're learning now. As we say, and that's what we mean. If it's a moist field that you have to keep moist because you're growing something that's more delicate and needs that constant moisture, so then certainly that would be allowed. But a, a naturally dry field, so not, you're not going to use cholamoid as the opportunity to water it. And it says the Brisa, as right, it's a reflection of what our mission is saying. They're even going to allow you to irrigate the dry field. Wow. So Amar Ravina, we're learning an extra thing from a Brisa. Shmami na high tarbitza. Let's say you have a garden patch. Shari le tarbutze bechol demad. You're allowed to sprinkle water on cholamoid. So stay grid my taima. But what is the reason the Chazal would allow you? Right, the Chachamim would allow you to irrigate a, a dry field. De afla mashvei because the irrigation is going to make the late crop into an early crop, and therefore, it, it's not because you're going to ruin the field, but they're allowing irrigation on Cholomoid, as Rashi says, and, and, and Tosos thinks it's not the Chachamim, that this is, this is a little bit of a hawk over here, whether this is Rechachamim or Lazar ben Yaakov, but basically there is Toelas to it, that's the point. So Hachanami Afla Mashvidai so here too, in the case of the gar- uh, garden, so sprinkling it is going to accelerate the crop, and again, if there's a to'elis to it, and there's a reason why you would have to do it dafka now, so the chachamim are going to be mekil to do it. That's according to Rashi. That's the pashup shot over here. The chachamim are going to be mekil if there's to'elis to it. In other words, what chachamim don't like is when you take work that you should have done during the 
week, so to speak, during the Chol, and saved it for Chol HaMoed. But if there's a reason why Dafka you have to irrigate it now, they're going to say that's like a Dover, that's a form of a Dover Aved, and therefore we allow you to do it now. It's a time sensitive thing, right? Toner a button. Marbitsin State Love and Bishvis. I'm just past, I'm just present, but they brought, they touched down Chol HaMoed everything. It's unbelievable. Yeah, what we said, as a Machok, we're learning, we're learning Moed Katan and Chol HaMoed. Some hold that, that, that that's the Raisa. Okay. So stay love. So what do we say? Tanurabanan. Marbits and stay loving. What's the stay loving? Stay loving is a grain field, which Rashi points out as a base of Baal. So Tanurabanan, you are allowed to sprinkle on that base of Baal during Shemitah, Avalobimoid, but not on Cholamoid. So, Vahatanya, Marbits and Bain Moan, Bain Mishvius, but we have a Brysa that's directly contradicting that. It says you can sprinkle water on it, whether it's Cholamoid or during Shemitah, right? That's the only coincidence. So, Amaravuna, Lokasha. Haravlazman Yaakov, Harabanan, right? So that's the question. That's exactly reflecting this machlokas. Rabbi Lezman Yaakov, who was our author of Maseches Yuma, right, is more machmir, and he doesn't allow you to sprinkle on a moed. And the chachamim allow you to sprinkle this field even on chol ha moed. Now, again, this is allowed in shemitah because in shemitah you're oh, there's no issue of tircha. Shemitah, the only issue is whether you are cultivating the land. Right, so if you're cultivating it, so then that's not good. But and in commerce is certainly not good. But if you are just maintaining the land, that's going to be allowed regardless of the tircha. Oh. Another related brayso. Tanya idach. My beats and stay love and erev shvius. Kadesh yitzur yarkav shvius. That you are allowed to water land a little bit on erev. Right, shmita. This was actually very customary as we've learned, so that you can have vegetables sprouting during Shemitah, V'lo'od, as Shemitim stay love and Bishvius, you could even water it on Shemitah, because it's the Yerakas, the Motsai Shvius, so that the Yerakas could go out on Motsai Shvius. Right. As Rashi says, Avalo Yishke Bishvius, Kishyesh Shvius. In other words, if you could do it on Erev Shvius, in order for the, the vegetables to come out on, on Shemitah, and if you could water it on Shemitah for the vegetables after Shemitah, so then what are we talking about with Shemitah? What's Asar on Shemitah? So Rashi goes out of his way to explain. Yeah, what's Asar on Shemitah is to water the field on Shemitah for vegetables that will come on that Shemitah. That is, produ- that is produce. That's what's Asar on Shemitah. Oh, in Yana de Yama. Good. Mishnah. Uh, so we have arrived at the mission at the bottom of Oven Bays, and we're almost at the end of today, but we have a couple of minutes. Let's see. Are you allowed to trap mice on Cholamite to prevent hafzade? Yes. Tzadinus ha'ishus. Ishus is mice, believe it or not. It's a kind of blind animal, as the Gemara says. Be'es ha'achbarim. And mice. Mistea That's three blind mice. Very funny. Mistea ilan or mistea lavan kedarko. You could do it from an orchard or from a grain field in the usual manner. You have to try it. Why? Because you're what? You're avoiding hafzade. That's on Moed and on Shvius. You could do that on Cholamoid and on Shemitah. You could trap him from an orchard in the usual manner. However, that you have to do a traps the Shalokadarka in a grain field. Why? Rashi. Because, as Rashi explains, the Hefzid Gadol is in an orchard. These mice really go to town in an orchard. But in a grain, they don't do that much hefzid, and therefore we're not gonna, we're going to allow you to trap them, but you have to do it shaloka darko. When Makarinus appears to be moed, and you can also, this is a fascinating question. On chola moed, are you allowed to fix a fence in order to avoid animals coming in and hurting your field? So, on chola moed, you can fix a fence. Uvishvius, bona kedarko. But on Shemitah, again, there's no tircha issue. So if it's only to protect the field, not to cultivate it, you can build a fence lachatchila. And that's no problemo. As Rashi says, mitchila. Right? Afagav de mechzi oven it to Ah. 
The Gemara asks, That's the blind animal. So then, and, and as we see, we finish with the Hilm Nun Ches, Amarav Rishmal, Vitim Rabbi Yemar Rashlemia, Mai Kra Kamosha Blue, Temis Yaloch Nefil, Eshes Bal Chazu Shamesh, it's a Pasuk in the Hilm, believe it or not, Nun Ches, look it up, where we learn that the issues over there is referring to blindness, and so we have arrived, right, about uh, eight or ten lines up from the bottom of Vav and Bez, um, and Bezrat Hashem will be Zoche, hopefully, well, I'll just be a couple of days. Ahead of you guys, I fly, God willing, to Israel tonight, and I'll meet you there really soon.